an Australian healthcare firm shares patient information with a personal injury law firm, the consumer disconnect between identities and social networks, and ISMG's Tom Field witnesses a real-time takedown of romance fraud. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Virtualization and micro-segmentation are helping to better protect electronic medical records and other critical systems and data at Nebraska Medicine. This week, ISMG's Executive Editor of Healthcare Info Security, Marianne Kolbersuk-McGee, spoke with the healthcare system's CIO, Brian Lancaster, on their transition to micro-segmentation. I think our story begins with what I, I would envision most organizations kind of start with, which was really on virtualizing our compute and our, our server infrastructure. So a couple of years ago, we had a need to migrate from one data center to a new private cloud data center or a data center built for private cloud. And as part of that process, we took all the, the systems that were physical and virtualized as many as we could, which ended up with a high degree of virtualization. And at the conclusion of that project, we really sat down with our strategic partner, VMware, and looked at what else could we do to get some benefits. And that led us down the path of network virtualization with the primary purpose or the initial purpose of micro-segmenting our electronic medical record environment. In healthcare, I think as probably any industry, we're, we're a target for cyber criminals. And one of the reasons for that is we've had rapid digitization of our, our environment through rolling out electronic medical records. And to be honest, our security controls haven't always kept up. So it's a, it's a big target, it's a lucrative target, and we really need to make sure that was a secure environment as possible. So we, we focus on network virtualization with the, the sole purpose of improving or micro-segmenting our electronic medical record environment for improved security. So we've just heard an example of healthcare organizations working to protect the integrity of customer data from hackers. But what if the healthcare organization is deliberately sharing medical information? And what if that information is going to a law firm specializing in personal injury? Well, this just happened. To tell us more, here's ISMG's Managing Editor, Security and Technology, Jeremy Cook. A privacy furor erupted in Australia this week involving the disclosure of medical data. It involves a company called Health Engine, which is a platform that makes it easier to book medical appointments. In a scoop, the broadcaster ABC reported that Health Engine shared private medical data with law firms specializing in personal injury. Health Engine maintains the sharing was done with users' consent and consumers could have opted out of it, but many contend there is no way to opt out of the sharing if they want to use the application. How Health Engine obtains that consent is also under question, with many contending it doesn't fully explain how it uses people's sensitive data. As part of the registration and booking process, Health Engine asks for a variety of sensitive information, including whether a person has suffered a workplace injury or been in a traffic accident. The situation has caused a stir both amongst consumers who have used the booking service and amongst medical professionals. The Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, which enforces the country's Privacy Act, and the Digital Health Agency are investigating. In addition to a software developer, Health Engine also appears to be a data broker. 
Its privacy policy does disclose that it may share data with third-party providers, including IT services companies, research services, lawyers, and auditors. But users would have only seen that information had they clicked on a link within a pop-up window that appears during registration. After the controversy erupted, Health Engine showed a screenshot of a pop-up box that it contends constitutes a user's consent. Many feel it is inadequate and doesn't fully inform users how their data is actually used. The pop-up window says data may be shared, but it doesn't detail the full extent of the sharing. Australia's Privacy Act says that organizations are required to be open and transparent about how they share information. Health Engine's privacy policy also says it may disclose de-identified information to third parties for analysis, research, and quality assurance purposes. The company's practices have struck a nerve in a public that has become more acutely aware of the murky trade in data that comes in parallel with free services. It has also raised questions over whether consumers are truly aware of the implications of their consent. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. There's an ongoing disconnect between consumer outrage at identity breaches and their understanding of where data is being made available, as illustrated by recent research published by Ideology. As expected, people surveyed considered the classic forms of PII, such as social security number and driving license, to be important components of their identities, at 83% and 75% respectively. But I was shocked to see how low social media ranked at just 21%. I asked John Dansu, CEO of Ideology, that given how much PII is available via social media, shouldn't we be doing a better job to educate consumers how much they give away? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I don't think people view their Facebook or LinkedIn account as financial accounts, right? So when they know they have um, their cash in an account um, or they have a credit card, there's, there is some semblance of, geez, I need to protect that, right? I need to make sure that I and, and perform my due diligence relative to protecting that account. I think people don't look at their social accounts on that basis and they look at more as just an ongoing conversation that they're having with people. And, you know, the education that, that needs to happen is you can't put data on those accounts to basically give fraudsters the ability to go in and counter what's called shared secrets or static uh, answers, right? And these are the things like what's the name of your dog or the university you went through or... and you know, fraudsters are basically going into these accounts and establishing these accounts, uh, looking at these accounts and getting those answers and then going in and doing account takeover because banks, in many cases, are still using these static responses to basically do step-up authentication on accounts, right? So you're, you're traveling and you want to get into your bank account and you get what's called that shared secret. One of the things that came through in the survey that I thought was interesting um, was that consumers actually do like using uh, dynamic knowledge-based authentication questions, right? I think it was 90% of them found that experience to be uh, useful and easy to do. And, you know, those those systems don't use shared secrets, right? They're using dynamic information that's coming from, um, uh, from public records and other records. So that was, I think, a good finding in the study that there are means for uh, people to basically not use data that is, is on these social media accounts, because I think trying to educate people relative to their daily conversations on social media is going to be extraordinarily uh, difficult to educate for that. And, you know, 21% is, is pretty low compared to the other things. And I don't really see that number 
moving much given how people view those accounts. One of the things I personally really like about ISMG events is that they're large enough to have some incredible content and speakers, but also small enough to allow speakers and participants to interact. Tom Field, our SVP of Editorial, came across just such an example of this happening on the first evening of ISMG's Fraud and Breach Summit held this week in Chicago. Here's Tom with more. Nick, one of the things I found really gratifying, I always tell people that one of the values of our events is that they're a modest size in that you don't get lost in a crowd. You've got the organization to talk to the sponsors, to the speakers, to the other attendees and really network. And I saw that in action. I saw at one point on Tuesday night, the night between the two days, Brett Johnson was downstairs in the hotel lobby with Aaron Sherman, the former FBI agent. They were working on their felon in the Fed presentation, and they were approached by an attendee. And as they started talking, it turns out the attendee had a relative who was currently involved in a romance scam, fraud scam. And Brett and Aaron were able to work with her to look at the information that she had and to prove that this individual is not who he says he is, but is in fact someone in Nigeria trying to commit fraud against this family member. And so they were able to help her right there. We're able to see the value of talking and sharing and networking. And I found that really gratifying. Well, that's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.